Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Gonna say, Doug, are you are you ready to be back in in the seat? Not really, but I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just you're just unexpectedly driving the bus now, Doug. I hope you're ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh well. For those of us that uh, that remember last year, we did a little thing called Ghostbusters 101, and this year we've decided to focus our 101 course on Seinfeld, which we have referenced a few times on this program. Once or twice? Yeah, at least at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, we couldn't think of a better person to help guide us through this academia than our friend Doug Everly. Doug, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right, other than being stitched together by caffeine and bad decisions. But <laughs> uh, I mean, that's life in your 30s at this point. That's, that's truly really holding you together. And if since we are in academia now, if you are looking for this in any course catalog, it is listed as Nothing 101, which also is the amount of credit you will receive for taking this course tonight. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, Seinfeld is one of those properties that obviously it's iconic. The three of us on this this conversation, we're obviously all fans. But every now and again, you do run into those people that those very weird and strange people who have never seen the show. Yeah. Oh. Even worse is when they have seen it and just openly say they don't like it or they don't get it. Hmm. Hmm. And heaven forbid they say Friends is a better show. Oh. Oh. We're trying to keep this, uh, you know, chill, Joe. Yeah. All right. We're, we're trying to, <laughs> this, this is supposed to be a conversation. This is not. <laughs> no, we're going to turn this whole thing into a slam tonight. You thought this was a sign for the episode, but nope. This is us talking about how much we hate Friends, no matter how much you think that one of the cast members is attractive. We all like Joey. What? Get over it. <laughs> they're all attractive that's the point <laughs> except ross really who likes ross he's just nothing but anxiety and weirdness it's it's true he does look like dollar store nick cage like you just <laughs> you just have to once you look at him again with that type of understanding mm-hmm. you'll see it have you seen it. like the meme face swap where they face swap nick cage and david schwimmer and you fucking can't tell the difference yeah i have i must uh... have <laughs> Both very turtly. Very turtly. <laughs> oh. All right. But anyway, back to back to the reason why we're all here. <laughs> gonna yes, get yes. back into Seinfeld and away from David Schwimmer. Oh, come on. I mean, tangents are how this show was built. I'm it surprised. is our bread and butter. I'm David Schwimmer yeah. was amazing in Curb Enthusiasm. Which see, now this is where I'm kind of the odd one because I've only seen very small 
bits of of curb throughout the years oh, like wow. just just very little like I've, I've seen some of like the you know like the fuck you i'll see you tomorrow type of stuff and mm-hmm. which uh, i mean it's the glory because like curb is seinfeld but on what hbo yeah it's just more seinfeld yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, it has the exact type of writing so much so that once you you know watch it all then when you watch seinfeld the um Larry David isms really, really pop out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's the 201 course, by the way, is yeah. your enthusiasm. Yeah check, the, <laughs> yeah. check the curriculum and the course catalog. You'll see that one next semester. But surprise, motherfucker, we're going to go behind the scenes here for a minute and we're going to talk about the early season one of, of Seinfeld, otherwise known as the show before the show. Yes. Because uh, so we, we talked about Larry David, uh, who, you know, obviously, uh, helped write and found the show itself, but him and Seinfeld met, you know, on like the eighties standup circuit mm-hmm. way, way back when, which is even mm-hmm. weird to say that that's almost 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One could say it's more than 40 years ago. It, well, yeah, it is. It is technically <laughs> yeah. more than 40 years ago mm-hmm. now. Uh, Entering the land before time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the, they, they just happened to meet when, you know, Jerry was kind of up and coming and uh, like the like the meeting of Smith and Wesson, you know, they they decide that um, they obviously gel pretty well. They, they mm-hmm. seem to enjoy each other's comedy. And Jerry was the one who ended up getting, you know, more notoriety at this point in time. You know, he he was the one that uh, everybody wanted to know what the deal with with airline peanuts was. He just mm-hmm. happened to have that that corner of the market, and it was at a point when Jerry ended up getting on the Tonight Show for his bits that he was approached, you know, by producers to say, you know, what we think you could do a TV show. What can you give us? And with this mm-hmm. budding, you know, this this budding uh, friendship he has with Larry David, he's like, well. You know, Larry has written stuff for me before that I have told. And it, it, you know, I just did it in my voice, but it was Larry the whole time. So that's where the, this writing partnership forms Mm -hmm. and, you know, really gets kicked off. So this is the, you know, proto Seinfeld environment that we're working within. Uh, Otherwise known as I think the Seinfeld Chronicles is what it was initially. Yeah, that sounds about right. That was the one of the original ideas for the show name. That's what was on the title for the pilot, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only reason I'm having a little trouble remembering is because they use that word chronicle many times throughout the show. <laughs> <laughs> and another episode is also called The Chronicle. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Which really is a pretty like top shelf, like, vocabulary choice the seinfeld chronicles it sounds like it's some sort of adventure or like a detective story it, it's not yeah. used that often mm-hmm. to tell you the truth and yeah it's good i mean i mean honestly it shouldn't be used for jerry seinfeld because he's just a tapered jeans wearing dude with you know with a mullet and at that point that's not really a chronicle that's that's just fashion in that time yeah, period that's the 80s that's what i was going to say that's why he was chosen over larry david because he had cooler hair Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. He, was, he showed him that business in the front. Yep. They didn't know the party was in the back. But uh well the the actual uh idea for Seinfeld the show mm-hmm. was 
conceived to be like a 90 minute special. Like it was supposed to be like a made for TV movie. Like this was not actually inspired to be a series. So what they ended up doing was putting these ideas together. So Mm -hmm. David and Seinfeld. And once they got to a certain point, they said, we have way too much material and not enough runway. And so yeah, that, that's when they came back and said, okay, uh, I think we have to pitch this as a TV show and no longer just a, a movie or 90-minute quote-unquote chronicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I was uh, kind of surprised when you know I did some research on it to, to find out that's where it started because honestly, uh, 90 minutes of Seinfeld is just like a standalone movie. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. We we would not be talking about that today. No, no. I, I feel like yeah, in in a much different light. I feel like because I, I can know. Them. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, mm-hmm. they're perfectionists at writing. Um, they know what hits and what doesn't. And I think if there was only ever an hour and a half Seinfeld movie from back then, mm-hmm. that it might be one of the biggest cult classics ever. Yeah, you know, it could work because I mean, there are a few like you know, cliffhanger two parters, like when uh Kramer moves out west. I love that. It, that's great. Time. Actually, a three parter episode in a way. Yeah, that's true. It is a three parter. That so, is yeah. the beginning of you know, the show, you know, having um tropes that exist from episode to episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which didn't exist in the beginning, right? Like, we know so in the beginning of this series you like we've we you and i have talked about the pilot before mm-hmm. b- both before this episode and mm-hmm. even before we hit the record button but the pilot for seinfeld once again if if this was if this is all we had of seinfeld i don't think we'd be talking about it because that pilot was i, I don't want to be too hard on it because uh i mean it's not like it was the worst thing i've ever seen on tv but a lot of people's like this was a very divisive thing for people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I, I don't know how much you guys remember from this because obviously i was only three years old but when i went back and read stuff about this as i was growing up like people really hated seinfeld <laughs> if it was just the pilot i don't know what, what do you guys think the episode it just isn't good um one thing about the episode that stands out to me versus the entire rest of the series is that um, Jerry gets friend-zoned by, mm-hmm. you know, sorry to the actress who, who played it. She's also quite possibly less stereotypically attractive than the, the rest of the women who are cast as Jer- uh, Jerry's love interests the rest of the time. I don't know if, like, they knew that this had a bad reaction and they set Jerry up to be this ladies' man that had hundred plus girlfriends for the rest of all of these seasons. And he, and he could like do whatever he wanted with them. Essentially it was him to say who he broke up with, etc. Mm-hmm. It was always him making these decisions in that episode. It's really him, you know, pining after this woman, um, setting up all of these situations and ways he thinks it's going to go. And then her just being like, Oh, um, you know, I, have a boyfriend and basically i was just uh using you to stay over but not really because i thought we were just friends right yeah Mm -hmm. angry at it and that's the whole 
thing of the, the whole premise. Thing. That's the plot. Yeah, yeah. and at least actually, there's plot lines. Yeah, well, but, then there's not much of other plot lines in there, is there? Because like, even like, I feel like George's main thing is that he's oddly like opposite what he is for the rest of the series, where he is somehow the voice of expertise oh, on how to man. actually be in a relationship or like know what a yeah. woman wants based off of mm-hmm. signals that may or may not be there or conversation, which, you know, George doesn't really seek George's counsel unless he wants to break up with someone after this. Yeah, good point. And, and that's that's honestly one of the biggest issues I had with the pilot of this show was that Jerry's kind of a wimp the entire time. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's kind of odd. For, no way, yeah. Well, but he's the main character of the show and everybody else on the show is like guiding him through life. And it is such a strange thing because you guys have mentioned yeah. this. Like like George is not the voice of reason. He should never be. Yeah. And and for him to be that way throughout this episode and, and and for other people to act like he is the life expert, I just didn't buy it. I didn't buy it when I first saw it. I didn't buy it when I watched it again as an adult, you know, several times. It just just yeah. can't do it. This also seems I see a pattern with the way your hatred for Jerry in this episode and why you probably also really don't like Ted Mosby. No, no, no. My hatred for Ted Mosby has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with the pilot of Seinfeld. Okay. Oh, well, he just he's a character that has to be led around by everyone has to teach Ted Mosby what to do. No, he's a guy who's been telling all his his like tales of fuckery to his children for like 10 years. Like that doesn't happen, okay? <laughs> no one does that. No, seriously. No, no, no one does that. No and you one... don't need to know that to see how you remember. I met her mom because I found her umbrella. That's all you have to say. Yeah, yeah. This... Wrap see, it up, it... Ted. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that, so once again, that's a story for a different time, which yes. I am more than happy to do. But but for the pilot of this show, there's a couple things that people said specifically about it. They said it was, quote unquote, to New York for people. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, I've heard mm-hmm. being from New York, um, it was very easy for me to be a Seinfeld fan. You know, they talked like everybody I know. Um, Jerry's parents are essentially my grandparents who moved to Florida and, you know, every time they visit New York, they talk about how cold it is and ask for a blanket in the middle of the summer, <laughs> like everything that they do. And so many of the other experiences were very, you know, realistic for me, but there's many times where I traveled and, you know, I'm in Alabama or something and talking to somebody Seinfeld comes up and they talk about how it's a Yankee show and they're not into it. So that is a thing, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I think I remember even hearing Jason Alexander saying that that was like even legitimate concern of being on the show. He's like, "This is to New York. No one's going to watch this. No one yeah. wants to like watch New York's life play out. Like we're all assholes here." Yeah, and you know, he was wrong, obviously, because mm-hmm. while it does have a lot of characterizations of new york people you realize that there are a lot of situations that come up socially that everybody goes through obviously that's why the show did so well yeah i I personally think that if they kept george as he was in the pilot uh, i i don't think it would have been as easy to watch i mean personally i just find his his whiny delivery and and once again that, that that expert thing like i because I'll, I'll be blunt, I was one of the people that my parents kind of ha- had me watch the show, and and you know, hey mom and dad, thanks for introducing me to Seinfeld when I was, you know, like eight. Uh, <laughs> but I watched the show after it had already hit 
you know, characters being introduced that weren't there in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. I, I got the, the chance to see, you know, how these characters had been invested in over time. And to go back and see what the pilot was like, it's like, yeah, it was, to me, it was pretty clear that uh, I don't think they truly knew what they were ever going to do with George. I oh, mean, yeah. Even, mm -hmm. Yeah, even though he's Larry David as a proxy in the beginning, I just don't think it was there. Mm -hmm. Um and to that point, I mean, just with that pilot, you know, uh, Lee Garlington, by the way, was the, the waitress that you were uh, thinking about. Uh, Claire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, she got written out after the pilot, right? Yep. So clearly they knew if this show was ever going to to go anywhere, there were changes that needed to take place because this was a, a quote that I found. No viewer was eager to watch the show again. <laughs> uh, when, when when they polled uh mm -hmm. you know just people who are checking it out you know um so it, it's it's pretty clear that like yeah like we're we obviously have the hindsight of of mm -hmm. seeing how great the show became over time um but it got it didn't get picked up the pilot did not get picked up yeah i do wonder what happened between the pilot and the next episode because the next episode you know they establish art vandalay um mm -hmm. they establish um you know sort of the conniving dating things that they do the remainder of the time mm -hmm. they ex establish um the new form of everyday language that they're going to use which seems sort of imitated in the pilot or forced it becomes very natural one thing i wanted to mention is that i started watching when i was younger around the fifth season so everything from then on i would watch as they came out yeah. But then after that, when the show was over, I would watch it in syndication. And um, so I didn't really know, you know, going earlier than that, what was second, third, fourth season. To tell you mm -hmm. the truth, even the ones I watched, I wasn't paying attention to this is the number of season. This is yeah. number six because nobody did that back then. The yeah. DVDs weren't released yet. It was just the show. Yeah. So now when you're watching the episodes scattered about, I never noticed any difference between anything that I was watching in reruns um, other than the pilot popping up. So you you go from that pilot to the second episode. It is a huge, huge leap. And one thing that the early seasons do, because they do it through season, I mean, they do it through season six, but like the shows typically start out with Jerry delivering stand-up and the routine mm -hmm. has something to do with the main part of the show. And what I like about the second season is it takes that same idea of not only jerry but also george actually now being clueless on what to and how to actually talk to women and, and try and actually go out mm -hmm. with them and the the stand-up opens up with this this great thing over like men we don't know what we're doing we're like the, yeah. the, the honk or like the, the cat call that's because we don't know what to do that that's the goal here. this is the best we've come up with this is the best we've yeah. come up with <laughs> we have our best guy on it but he doesn't know what he's doing either um it's all we've got we're idiots and you kind of see that through the episode because their best idea for for jerry to meet this woman i think doesn't doesn't his dad say like just follow her home like that was literally the advice his dad gave him it's like that's horrible advice you want us to follow her and like wait no it's like not follow her home but like wait outside where she's working until yeah that's, she what, gets that's, off. that's what it was yeah yeah you know where she works just wait outside like that's not weird and creepy at all. Which, but surprisingly, at least in the plot of that episode, does end mm -hmm. up working out for him. Yeah, <laughs> which that was, it does. Which was interesting. Um, 
But to Doug's point, though, you're absolutely right. When you look at the pilot of this show, um, what Seinfeld got really good at over time was the observational humor and having the characters react to things that are happening around them, you know, rather than just seeing something occur, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the, that, that's what that pilot was to me. It was just this this happens, our characters travel here. This happens, our characters travel here. There's not really much inference yeah. or anything crazy going mm-hmm. on. But yeah, as time goes on, I mean, yeah, they're 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 looking at things. They're uh, actually dropping some exposition some background you get to know why people behave the way they do mm-hmm. and uh but yeah i mean it's i guess this is pretty standard for a lot of tv shows though to yeah. to evolve into a groove after a point because mm-hmm. you know they do start in introducing you know the ancillary characters you get uh, uncle leo you know in season two that everybody you know makes memes about uh not looking at you specifically doug but uh, you know <laughs> a lot of people have mm-hmm. um, yeah well even before like the really the ancillary characters they get the core cast um changing from the pilot to even the second episode i feel like um one we haven't mentioned yet is kramer because kramer's in the kessler. pilot and he is in the second kessler. episode. yeah yeah was it kessler he's kessler Kessler in the pilot he's kessler in the pilot so he's kramer kramer. not in the pilot Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's Kessler, and then it's the same with like, Elaine. Doesn't get introduced until the second uh, until the second episode. Correct. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the first episode is out there. Also, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. And then we right. get was it is the second episode where Kramer is talking about the levels in his apartment? Was that where we get that right away? That may not it's, be the second episode, but it's mm-hmm. very early it's, on. Yeah, levels is very early mm-hmm. in the in the series. Yeah, where he yeah. wants to build levels in his apartment, which honestly. Yes. You know, if you got the space, yeah. which you, you don't I, in a New York apartment, you don't. But... You don't. You really don't. It sounds very comfortable mm-hmm. and like a dream come true. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I guess he really wasn't going to do it. You know? He wasn't going to do it. There's no way he was doing it. <laughs> no. Which I mean, again, it also understands that you know he doesn't understand what betting is, which is weird for a man with a gambling addiction. <laughs> I think I think he knew. Yeah, <laughs> he had to have known. No. I'm just not doing it anymore. Well, that's the bet. The bet is that you wouldn't do it. (laughs) There's more to Kramer than you see. There's a lot going on behind the scenes of his mind. (laughs) And he knows how to play a part when it'll benefit him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Which is a good segue into like analyzing the main characters of the series. Because, yeah, I did realize we kind of almost glossed over that. Mm -hmm. um, Because like we mentioned in the pilot jerry is kind of uh unassuming you know he he's yeah. he's almost a do-gooder in a way like he he doesn't he doesn't want to step on people's toes you know he wants to do things the right way according to other people but that does not end up being Last. jerry no <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like the exact opposite of the entire cast <laughs> yeah well he's got mm-hmm. ridiculous ridiculous standards Mm-hmm. Um, you know, almost every single thing that occurs in his life leads to disappointment. I mean, yep. it's, I mean, Joe, you've been there when you've watched people eat one pea at a time. You can't date uh, that person. You can't. You can't. No, I have, I've broken up with some women for some stupid reasons, yeah. but good Lord. I mean, I, I blame the show for that, by the way. Is Here's that my thing, though? Mm-hmm. I, I have to ask you another question. Have you ever tried to get peas to sit on your fork? Just look. <laughs> A pile of them. They roll all over the place. <laughs> Eating them one at a time. Well, okay. I think something has to be made clear. One at a time may be a little crazy. 
maybe stab a bunch of them at once. But if you're scooping them, you can't scoop peas. It's just you know, really terrible. Not not with one, not with one utensil. That, that's a that's a two utensil job to scoop yeah. peas. Or not with a fork, maybe a spoon. Oh yeah, or you something. Can spoon a pea. Picking up peas with a fork is no. That's that's the wrong tool for the wrong job. I think uh, Seinfeld even once made a stand-up joke over chopsticks, which, looking back on, it's probably a little racist. But um, just, just yeah, right bit. tool for the right job. Good for everything, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but so this this joke, if, and then once again, this is a one-on-one course, guys. We may be going, you know, over the heads of some folks here. The the okay. one the one p at a time joke was mm-hmm. literally Jerry breaking up with a woman because she does does this in an episode, right? Mm-hmm. And and this just tells you how different he is, you know, throughout the course of the episodes. Um, as we talked about with George, you know, he goes from being this epicenter of the universe from knowledge, but over the course of the series, he's neurotic about details. Mm-hmm. Like he gets to the point where he fixates on something. Uh, and I think it has to do with the fact that George lies about so many things and he's easily the most insecure character of the entire cast. Oh yeah. Like that, that's why he behaves the way he does. He, like you guys have probably met serial offenders who are liars before. What are they always doing? They're questioning reality because they lie so much. Right. Oh yeah. So they are always questioning everybody else, like what they're doing because they're assuming everybody's lying as much as they are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, which is why I came to like George a lot more than I did in the beginning, mm-hmm. because that became his thing. Like George became the most neurotic of the characters because uh, if we wanted to reference like the 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 uh, the steps you know of recovery and how he gets fixated on getting his apology, <laughs> that oh kind of God. stuff. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but so or- yeah. I say even like uh, the what Jason Alexander does with the character over time, where he always tries to find something different to do with George or to elevate the character, and like he he ta- he like when you talk about character development with him, he'll talk about how like everyone will will like you know pick things from greats and incorporate them into their own work. So he mm-hmm. talked about he started using like Jackie Gleason stuff for George, and it just worked. So whenever like you see like George thinks he has an edge over someone, and then he gets like immediately put in his place, he's like oh. Yeah, <laughs> funny guy. She's going full Jackie Glace and like, here the moon. George, like, kind of like he knows he's going to be beat. And then anytime he's like, he it was always so sure of him. when he does get sure of himself, he is in now like completely overconfident instead of neurotic. And as soon as someone like questions him or knocks him down a little bit, like, he can't take it, he just loses yes. his mind. Yeah, so yeah, just fantastic character. Well, the the next time you watch it though through that lens, just just watch how these things unfold. You know, like when when you watch George behave in, especially in a scenario where he feels slighted. You know, just just look at the first details of that and go, would you behave the same way? Would you do you do you actually find anything common with this? Because mm-hmm. because think of it this way: if you've been in Jerry Seinfeld mode, where someone does something specific that you don't like, and then you just can't let it go, okay. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen people or I've heard people eat in a certain way where you're just like, yep, I got to leave the room because like, I know you're eating no matter where I am next to you, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. like you can, you can get in tune with that. Yeah. Um, we should also get to the fact that George is supposed to be a characterization of Larry David, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, anybody who's watched Curb Enthusiasm or seen any other Larry David type things, they'll notice that the character that he plays when he plays himself is really very similar to George. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, he can't let things go. He's always worried about what everybody's thinking and basically acts on what everyone else is always doing to the detriment of himself. And it always ends up in some sort of ironic situation at the end. Mm-hmm. Moving on a little bit with other characters, uh, we haven't gotten really to talk about Elaine yet because, you know, Elaine wasn't the pilot. Um, she gets brought in because, again, I think they they talk about how of all the things that people didn't like in the pilot, Claire was kind of like at the top of the list. I think mm. they felt like she was she was too abrasive, like she was too hard on the two main characters to the point where like no one's going to enjoy Claire. We need someone who is on the same level as the guys, but not always like absolutely like putting them in their place. Someone who can who can beat them every who can beat them from time who can also beat them, but also like you know lose to them too. Whereas Claire felt she was she was too dominant in that case. So they bring in Elaine. And uh, which they thought would be interesting that, you know, she is one of Jerry's ex-girlfriends who they decide to remain friends after everything is done. And if you look at her as a character, like, I feel like she should be the smartest one in the room at any given time among the four. Uh, Typically she is. Usually is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now she has her own faults and problems. Oh, Um, yeah. 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 With her. Um, they're not as much her fault though all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like she is more affected a lot of times by what other people are doing, causing her to have issues rather than her own doing. Yeah. So I mean, look, I mean, look at her, like just even like her employment. Like she she is like essentially she wants to be a writer or she has talent for a writer, but then she kind of, I don't know, like her jobs just lead her in weird ways to the point where um like you've got like what Peterman deciding to walk out eventually. So now she just has to head the company and something she's not, she isn't qualified to do. And someone who's even less qualified than her to do anything gives her advice on it, which we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like she's, she's usually a victim of circumstance with her job and with friendships within the group and even outside of the group, because she's the one who always seems to have like, I think she's the one who's ever had a roommate in the, in the series. Very the true. Main cast. And she's yeah. had at least what, two different roommates that we get to see uh specifically i remember the first one i think of one yeah because yeah. it's the one who ends up dating kramer yeah yeah, yeah. I, what i kind of did when i was thinking about these characters in the beginning though mm-hmm. uh because just for context the characters of jerry and george are supposed to be like career mm-hmm. new yorkers right like they've been yeah. there their whole lives they went to high school together mm-hmm. known each other a long time so Elaine moved into the city later when she was already like a young adult, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that the um, that detail doesn't really get discussed a whole lot on the show. It but, does not at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, but it explains a lot to me. Like when you guys talk about how she's a victim of circumstance, think about if like for me, I, I had to move around a lot as a kid, all right? So whenever you move to a new place, sometimes things would happen to you because you just don't get what's going on you know so mm-hmm. for her to be a transplanted new yorker versus a career you know lifer um it makes sense to me that she would fall into these types of things maybe she doesn't understand these 
and 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 to the point of like her transformation throughout the show like you mentioned joe she slowly becomes just like george and, and she Jerry. gets down to their level <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't do a job of a good job of casting her as a transplant she must have been there for a while before the show started oh i know i know because you don't it doesn't it doesn't feel like it at all i mean no i mean they're definitely it's like i mean they Not argue about like superior driving routes they talk about like you know different trains although the, the other thing like also the fact that is also maybe a very dark thing is that she can't drive and that's i think is because you know driving new york is almost pointless why do you own a vehicle in that city <laughs> There's they no all do park it's expensive yeah they all own cars which is also a lot more people do than you think mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> you know mm -hmm. it's hard to find parking a lot of people have cars you know yeah. <laughs> very true it's not just taxis everywhere yeah <laughs> which humorously brings us to the character of kramer or mm -hmm. or kessler as we pointed out in the pilot who's now you never get his first name until what season five or six I think it's five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that mystery is a slow burn for a while. Yeah, um, it is. But, and the, so I yeah. mentioned earlier that I'd started watching when I was younger around season five. And it, it, I feel like it might have been just past the point where they knew he was Cosmo Kramer. So I always knew mm -hmm. him as Cosmo Kramer. Yeah. Um, and then later on watching earlier episodes where it's like a whole thing where they talk about not knowing what his name is and stuff like that. It's kind of like caught me out of nowhere. Like, oh, what? Oh, but they yeah. know his name. Yeah. But yeah, looking at Kramer, he is like the quintessential like acquaintance that you have in your life where like oh, you don't yeah. know him very well, but the little you do know about him is out there. And it's to the point where like you could, based off of what he's done and how he treats you, like, you know what? We don't need this man in my life. He just comes over and mooches off my food and is basically. <laughs> You know, hoping that I want to get rid of something that he can just take um, at any point in time. But he develops into still that, but that to an extreme. <laughs> Is that like he's the guy who, like, they eventually he's more than acquaintance and he's like a legitimate friend in the group. And I think it's in the second episode that friendship already bites Jerry. You know, the third episode where it bites Jerry in the ass because it turns out Kramer had gone into his apartment. And didn't lock up after leaving and his apartment got broken into and the shit got mm -hmm. stolen um even but, though you get the buzz people into that apartment but hey whatever who knows people Person went downstairs in. hit every single number and mm -hmm. somebody just went, mm, yeah. let them in yeah mm -hmm. they just need to go to that floor at that time and open that door and yeah you know whatever <laughs> <I'm not judging. laughs> the door was actually open yeah mm -hmm. well, they were just wandering around the hallways they saw yeah. an open door yeah, and they yeah, went, they went hey, for it. you know, UPS. Yep, yeah, they didn't hear anything. They looked around and they said, Hey, you know, yeah, any town USA is open, right? Five floors and past everybody else. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it could happen. I, I guess, I guess, but, but that, that, that's the point of Kramer, though. He creates his own problems, he right? Does. Like, like the majority of things that happen to him that are misfortunes, he creates these issues. Mm -hmm. um, the one that sticks in my head the most is the the rickshaw episode. You know, just <laughs> running out of steam, pulling it up the hill, and oh then he just God. drops it. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, he he's um, like you guys have mentioned. Everybody kind of knows a Kramer in their life. You know, mm -hmm. there's that person who is somehow savvy enough to figure out how to make connections and you know uh find what's possibly stolen merchandise but has connections everywhere right mm -hmm. 
but is so inept in every other aspect of his life, <laughs> you know, and, and mm -hmm. Kramer leans really hard into things that no one else cares about. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, we, we talked about the levels, Doug, right? The levels, mm -hmm. no one gives mm -hmm. a shit about that. Making, no. <laughs> making statues out of macaroni. <laughs> yeah, like he's like, at a, like he's a, he's a kid at a summer camp making those things or something. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the episode where he is at like a baseball fantasy camp, I think is the best description of Kramer is that that man's life is a fantasy camp. He yes. falls ass backwards into money has like guilt, See, like guilt. was a guiltless set guilt, guilt free sex that, with women. So remember before I always said, there's a little more to Kramer than we're seeing. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, the other characters sometimes don't know how much Kramer is playing them. They don't realize, like he says, Kramer's life is a fantasy camp. I don't think they actually fully realize what they're dealing with. The Kramer, he knows what's up, you know, and he's a survivalist. He has to make these connections. He has to be on his feet, come up with new ideas. Mm -hmm. He has to do all these things. That's who he is. When they say he has no job, that's incorrect. He has a job. It's just difficult to classify. He makes mm -hmm. money. He gets things. You know, Jerry could say no at any time. Yeah. But Kramer is good at moving just a little bit and always having the proper thing to say mm -hmm. to have the, the fridge stay open, to have access to all of these things that he needs to, you know, go on and survive. And it also, it, it helps that, like, you know, Kramer is not hateable like he just isn't like he's not at all like you could like there will be like eventually like hey man fucking a you need to start paying for this shit <laughs> like you are in my fridge all the time if internet was around he would have jerry's wi-fi password and would oh. not be paying for it guaranteed yep totally. but like kramer's lovable like you can get behind kramer like there's something infectious about his personality that like you know what yeah he's taking advantage but i kind of want to see what he's going to do next because yeah. today it's he's taking karate karate lessons uh or karate lessons karate. with six like six-year-olds and then tomorrow he's trying to like make rickshaws you know happen in new york city you don't know what he's gonna do so let's just tune in to find out and that's what i feel like part of the group does with kramer is like you know what let's just see what he does next um he's gonna put a freaking garbage disposal in a shower He's the making thing is is a really important aspect of him, though. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when um, Bette Midler is introduced, and she has like the whole problem with uh the baseball game, and George crashes into her, and she's, you know, her understudy has to go in there and do the play for her, and she's in the hospital bed and everything. Mm -hmm. Kramer is always like every instance of that whole episode is always right you know, upper butt, like, oh, bet, what do you need? This and that, that, that. <laughs> um, he does that with every single yeah. character who's famous. Mm -hmm. Basically, anybody who, who can provide a service to him or help him move a step forward. Mm -hmm. yeah, he, he's right there being totally personable with them. Yeah, which is why, like, you know, Kramer is, he's also that friend who's always got a guy for something because Kramer makes those connections. He has a Bob Sacamano oh, yeah. for everything that he needs or... Because eventually he stops using Bob Sacamano. I think after like what many six, of seven seasons, of his, he starts um, bringing in different people. Yeah, there's Lomez. Yeah, Lomez. Yeah. Snakes. Um, 
There's uh, Jay Riemann Schneider, who we really mm-hmm. only know eats horse. <laughs> There's a couple of others. You know what's funny though? There is mm-hmm. one scene with Kramer. Oh, it's when um, Jay Peterman buys all of Kramer's stories, and then yeah. he shows mm-hmm. Kramer at a bar with a bunch of his friends, and he's about to like tell his one of the stories that Jay Peterman purchased, and Elaine's like, "Ah, no, no, like that's not you anymore. You can't mm-hmm. tell that story." And you see him with all these people, but they don't name them. No. And I wonder, like, is that Bob Sacramento? Is yeah. that Jerry Schneider? Mm-hmm. Is that Lomez? Like, mm-hmm. that'll yeah. be somebody, right? You never see his poker night buddies at all, do you? When he's no, having like the smoking poker smoke. parties, he, yeah, he just he just anyone. yells into that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm showing those ladies. You think they're, they're scared? scared? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. But when you get to like eventually, like look at the bloopers of that show, like that. When Jerry is trying to tell Kramer that his face looks like a worn-out catcher's mitt, like yeah, oh my that's god, a really good one. not able to keep it together at all. <laughs> well, so and, good. And if you're watching the show for the first time, mm-hmm. you might miss how Jerry almost breaks down, like every scene, like, every all the time. He's always like about to laugh. It makes me think that like most of the time he was bursting out laughing. Mm-hmm. And they did so many takes that the one he was just close to laughing was still the best. <laughs> well, well if you, isn't that if how you, like also like the uh, um, the meme over like Jerry is actually the least funny one on the show starts because he's the one constantly yeah. laughing whatever whatever else is doing. You know, this is this is something a lot of people have criticized him for is essentially like not being a good actor and like always mm-hmm. laughing. To me, it gives the show so much charm to know that he was having fun and that he was going to laugh at the joke. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it, I mean, there's just something natural that comes across that makes it funnier than it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's part of why um, I think I can appreciate uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus because if you look at the, um, the behind the scenes and the blooper reel, mm-hmm. she represents a, an overwhelming majority of the bloopers. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, she like can't she, handle it. She she couldn't I would, handle. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Imagine being <laughs> in that room. Oh my god, this, this stuff is really funny. Mm-hmm. Oh know, my god, like, I've seen some of these episodes over a hundred times, and I'll put them on, and I'm like laughing hysterically. If somebody's with me, I'll be like, "Did you hear what he said?" They're like, "Yes, I've heard what he said." I've seen this a million times. Of course, I just mouthed it to myself while I was saying it. And I'm like, but it was really funny. It was good, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, like, like that, like, funny. you look at, like, the scene with Jerry Stiller when they're going to pick up uh, George and Elaine's, like, co-worker, or I guess employee, because the time she's running Peterman, from the police station, and yes. she can't fucking keep it together because Jerry Stiller just sells it every single oh, yeah. line. Are you saying you want a piece of me? It just... Anything he says is just funny. Mm-hmm. So imagine him saying something like extra funny. It's like, how do you get through that scene? I don't know. I really don't like, cause yeah, like you said, like, I think that's also good. Now is a good time to branch into. We've got the main characters down looking at like the overall world of Seinfeld that's developed. Both George and Jerry start off with different fathers from the that's first season to <laughs> who they end up with. But the mothers are the same, aren't they? Cause yeah, Estelle's always yeah. was the same character, which yeah. You know, the moms were the same from the beginning. Yeah, basically she recently passed away. Um, 
But yeah, they get different fathers, and we start to get more of these auxiliary characters who are helping build the world. And also, these are people who a lot of times have close relationships with the cast, where we start to really see why these characters are the way that they are. You get um, George, you get Jerry's parents, who are almost to the point where they're overly supportive and over character, over caring, where Jerry just wants them to like take the money, or I don't need the money. Don't send me fifty dollars. If you send me fifty dollars, I swear to God, mom and dad, we're like they're overly supportive. So he just really wants to be like this independent person, and where George's parents are like the exact opposite. They're constantly like, <laughs> busting him and breaking him down. Which like, yep, that's why George is broken as a human being and can't handle any criticism because he just immediately thinks of his parents making him cry. And really what you're bringing up here is a, a good point as far as the fabric of the series, right? Because within the first couple seasons, these relationships do not like represent the core of, of what carries us through an episode. Mm -hmm. As we kind of talked about initially, the early portions of the first couple of seasons, you might have like a friend that shows up that you never see again. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. there's, there's an awkward situation that happens and then the characters have to react to that. And then it's like, it's almost an, an anthology yeah. in a lot of ways. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when you start having people like Jerry Stiller and Estelle Harris come involved, you know, mm -hmm. suddenly you have actual glue that uh, explains the behaviors of these people. And and so that's where um, I really think the the strength of the show wasn't the core cast as as, as weird as that may seem. Mm -hmm. It was how they played off of all of these these characters that would you know come back and interact with them. Mm -hmm. So the parents are one of those. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, uh, Wayne Knight as Newman is probably one of the most mm -hmm. notable. Yep. And he yeah, isn't doesn't he show up in season three because he's mentioned in season two. Because like like when you're first introduced to Newman, like he's trying to commit suicide, and Kramer doesn't believe he's actually going to do it, so he's like, "Yeah, go ahead, jump, you'll do yeah. it. Go on, buddy, you won't be missed." Yeah, because he, he actually isn't happen. shown until quite a bit later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's um, voiced by Larry David in the early season on that rooftop when he's going to quote unquote commit suicide, even though he's mm -hmm. going to see a movie later. Uh, and yeah, I think wasn't it season. Was it season five when he shows up? Because it's the um, I'm trying to remember the first one. Because obviously he's there for Keith Hernandez, but I I don't know if he appears before that. He has to. I think he has to. He has to because I I know they they developed the I'm hatred between I don't know Jerry the sooner. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I'm I'm just trying to think of it. Mm -hmm. But um, while you're doing that, I'll distract you and the listeners with a fun Newman fact, and that is that when the show was over, Wayne Knight was approached as a spin-off potential for the series, and he said wow. no, and here's why. Because Newman is like a quick punch to the gut, and getting it once a week, every other week, you can recover from. But if you're going to be punched repeatedly for a half hour every week, no one's going to like that. So we can't do a Newman spin-off. Whose idea was the Newman spinoff? I have no idea. I just remember just... hearing Wayne Knight say that in an interview that he was approached Lots by the network for a spinoff. No, it would have been terrible. Like, <laughs> like I think of like, well, like I like think of like again, like to bring up friends, like Joey got a spinoff that barely made it half a season. Um, a Newman spinoff wouldn't have made it past the pilot. Yeah, because yeah. that's because that's not what really made those characters interesting mm -hmm. as being a main character. No. What was what was interesting to to these people was that they were kind of woven into the fabric of the mm -hmm. of the the settings here 
and and you don't get a whole lot of background on these people you all you get to see is that there's there's a pre-existing history between these characters and they interact with each other a specific way but we never really truly understand why newman and seinfeld hate each other mm-hmm. right like yeah. we never find that out you never know how long uh our our, our friend denny woodburn we don't know how long Mickey Abbott and Kramer have been hanging out together, right? We just know that they know each other. Yep. And by the way, I, I did look it up. His first episode is the 15th episode of the third season called The Suicide. Interesting. Which is so, not his, not his suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. And, but, but once again, this is the changing fabric of the show over time, right? Mm-hmm. And and as we kind of build out this world a bit more, we get to interact with these characters more too. And some of the early attempts in the series, uh, once again, for folks that go back and watch this, the attempts to expand this world don't really start off with characters. They more so start off with like uh, the settings, mm-hmm. you know, like they're they're going down to the Chinese restaurant or they're getting stuck in the parking garage in New Jersey, you know, um, so that's that's the real big difference here. We start to get chemistry because of interactions with characters mm-hmm. and not chemistry because of what the characters' situations are. Um, and that's where I think you get a lot of these, you know, you get some storytelling involved. You also get some more background, like when uh, Jerry meets his uh, college buddy that ends up getting fired and has to work at Kenny Rogers. Oh my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or even like... Uh, he meets like uh, another episode where he meets like a uh, a friend that he's known like since camp, like when they were kids, and he tries to get Jerry to buy a van. Uh, yeah. Remember, no, he gives Jerry a van. Yeah, it, yeah, yep. You get more of these introduction of characters from from their life outside of each other popping in. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that becomes that becomes the identity of the show at this point. Mm-hmm. Like typically, if a character is introduced to you. So is history that we didn't know about either, you know, Seinfeld or George, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and so the same thing goes for Kramer, as we mentioned. You know, we, we never knew Kramer's first name. Suddenly we meet Kramer's mom, Babs, and now, mm-hmm. now we know the whole story. So it's less about like New York life at that point. Mm-hmm. And this is where the writers even admitted that how they created the show after a while had nothing to do with like traditional writing methods. And Doug, this is what I wanted to bring up to you because the writers admitted after a while that what they would do is just think of funny things, (laughs) not think of actual like narratives. Yeah. So they just basically had a whiteboard. I've got eight or nine different things that are funny because if anyone who's seen Seinfeld or if you're about to after this, Mm -hmm. like Seinfeld episodes have a ton of scenes like you could watch one 20 minute episode and you could end up seeing like 20 different scenes 20 different oh, locations yeah. that, right it's also difficult to remember like you might remember in one episode what george was doing that episode but you won't remember like what elaine was doing that same episode you'll rem- you remember elaine's story but you don't know how to pair them together mm-hmm. yeah so you won't realize that like you know, just for, you know, sake of it, like the episode where Kramer um, douses himself in butter and goes tanning is the same 
and it might not be, but I think it is, is like the same as Jerry dating Manhands. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, you'll remember the Manhands trope. You remember the butter trope, but you won't yeah. remember them together. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens all the time. One other thing about Seinfeld is like you say, they, they throw all these funny things out there, right? Um, having been making memes about Seinfeld forever and like, <laughs> You know, I kind of do that too. It's like, I'll have something I want to make a meme about, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I default to Seinfeld is because there's always a scene for everything. Yeah. Something happens in the news. There's a Seinfeld conversation that happened about it. Yeah. There's always something. Uh, and um, what I take from this is, I think that's why they stopped at nine seasons. That they were just really self-aware and realized that they basically covered it all. Yeah, they did. Because... <laughs> It, it's in a way it's almost like how South Park ended up covering current events, you know, and they would immediately, yeah. mm-hmm. immediately speak their narrative on what they thought about it. Right. And Seinfeld at the time didn't always reference, you know, things that were uh, in the beginning, they, they didn't reference things that were always brand new. But then when you get like the Ford Bronco sh- showing up around like the OJ Simpson trial mm-hmm. and they're not using it in the same way, it's just there. It's like, yeah, okay. Seinfeld is becoming more pop culture, you yeah. know, and, and less mm-hmm. about, you know, a comedian trying to come up in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then sometimes you get lasting characters like Jackie Childs after the OJ Simpson case is there. <laughs> I think what after that, he's there at least one episode a season, most because of like Kramer doing something ridiculous. Uh, which Jackie does yeah. have mm-hmm. more appearances than you would think. I remember researching this once. Let's think of that. Look at that. Like, look at Jackie Childs. Like he's definitely there after um, uh, the uh, the cigars, the cigar parties, because <laughs> Kramer sues uh, sues like tobacco for what happened to his face. And then mm-hmm. another topical one was when kramer was sneaking coffee into his pants from yes. the theater he gets hit and he gets burned and the coffee was hot but it wasn't supposed to be that hot the, the cafe latte yeah yes. which again like w- while it was funny to make fun of like you your coffee should not be giving you a third degree burn mcdonald's was making that shit way too hot and they were sued several times before yep. that lady won but he <laughs> jackie childs is there he's of course there in the finale uh when yep. he represents them but i'm trying to think other those are the big three i remember jackie from and i know he's in there more than that yeah uh i i mean i i know of at least those three appearances but i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's still true though in in to doug's point a lot of the ancillary characters that do end up making the fabric of the show um in the case of like mickey abbott i think he's in either seven or maybe nine episodes um six by the way i just looked at it Ah, oh yeah okay i would okay I was off by three. <laughs> off well, by I three. said, I yeah. said it, it, it's more than you think. Whatever you yeah. were thinking, it was more. Which, you know, yeah. you can look at it that way. It's like, I was only off by three, but that's also double the amount that I guess. Yeah. So yeah. really it's bad when you look at it in one, yeah. in one light. <laughs> well, okay. So now that we're talking about things that appear on this show and the numbers attached to them, I want to do uh, something with you guys. And, and this is to see just how many times you can recognize uh, how many catchphrases, how many times they appear on the show. Oh. Because as you know, we, we speak in tongues sometimes quoting this show. <laughs> but can we figure out which ones were you know actually stated the most on Seinfeld? So I don't know if you guys are, are ready for this or not, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading off some catchphrases. 
I want you guys to see if you can determine how many times. Uh, okay. How time? Yeah. How many times are mentioned? So, uh, man hands came up earlier. How many times do you think man hands was mentioned on Seinfeld? On the episode, I feel like this is gonna be like the time where on my... Seinfeld or just in the on one si episode on Seinfeld. On Seinfeld, it's a total passing episode. I think this is gonna be like when my friends uh, called me up during work and had me listen to Danger Zone because they had a bet on how many times Kenny Loggins said Danger Zone. Both of them were above fifty. It's sixteen, by the way. So this is where this is where I, I think I'm going to be. Like, was it brought up in other episodes? Well, this like, is just these are just mentions of the catchphrase. So this oh, is across okay. the entire the entire the series. Entire thing. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, man hands. So man I'm hands. Gonna, man hands. Which I do know. Like this one, I do remember them saying something. Like outside of the actual. I don't think man it was brought up that much, actually. I don't think it was much, I but I think it's. it's I, I think it's it said. Mm -hmm. I could be totally wrong, but I'm gonna guess to say that it was maybe used like ten times in mm -hmm. that season eight episode. Yep. So uh -huh. I'm gonna think that episode alone because basically, whenever someone brings it up, it is repeated at least two more times. So like, I think when Jerry tells Elaine like she had man hands, Elaine would say man hands, man hands. Exactly. The thing, That's the why thing it happened comes with up George. so often. Mm -hmm. Except I think it, I, Kramer always, I think Kramer always gets the gag right away. So if Kramer would repeat it. He'd be like, oh, man hands. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> and I wouldn't have to go after that. So I'm going to I'm going to go lower. Kramer I'm going to not six. even be aware of it, I feel. For some reason, I'm getting a feeling of that episode, Kramer being very, like, not interacting with that plot line <laughs> yeah but that that makes sense but then because at first i you're going to defer with it because like kramer is always aloof but also fully aware what's happening because he will get what's happening but socially doesn't know how we should approach it with everyone else was it's like like oh you're pretty as anyone else you just need a nose job um <laughs> yeah well well to to look at your answers here so doug has mm -hmm. 10 joe has six the official amount of mentions was actually eight so, oh, right in between. Look at that. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. So no no <laughs> like points. Yeah, no, no, no point. points are awarded because both of you were, were within the same margin. <laughs> That's fair. Um the next catchphrase is yada yada yada. How many times do you think Fuck. yada 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 was mentioned? Are we counting individual yadas or is yada 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 the three in succession what? count? That's a really good question. <laughs> three in succession. Okay. All right. Which um I might be able to think about this. Yep. Thinking about it, but also nerdy note. Um if you recall, uh, for the fans of the Facebook meme page, soup posting, one of the members had, had mentioned that while he was cleaning, forgotten that he had commissioned someone to make Elaine into a pinup girl. Yes. And I did take that image and I, I, I uh, photoshopped it down and put yada, yada, yada under it in like a, like a 50s looking text and <laughs> turned it into a water side decal for one of my Gundam models. So it was a pinup girl on the shield. Um, so yada yada yada, but anyway, okay, yada yada yada. That, oh god, that episode yeah. alone, fuck. this one's a lot because mm -hmm. each conversation they just keep saying it, yeah, the yada yada over it, <laughs> like because, like, like George alone, like, he will, I feel like he gets when he gets yada yada, he's like, yada yada yada, yada yeah, yada like, yada, like, he's got to repeat it yada. himself quite a bit, <laughs> you know. Oh, fuck. I'm gonna go high on this one, I'm gonna say. <laughs> throughout the series because i think this also comes in the season where like they actually have recurring gags 
Whereas like before, like with the man hands, it happened. And then it turned out they just said it other times too. But I feel like yada, yada, yada became a thing they started doing for the rest of the season. Kind of like sweet, fancy Moses. Also, it's just a term in general. Yeah. Like, like mm -hmm. it, it's not that uncommon even before Seinfeld for people to use mm -hmm. the term yada, 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 yada. I'm going to high. I'm going to say 21 drinking age 21 times really i mm -hmm. is it is it individual yadas or it's just oh yada 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 yeah it's gotta be words. all three yeah yada 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 that's how they always say it one on the yada doesn't count no not Two one yada yadas doesn't count no three yadas. three yadas three yadas three yadas i'm gonna go with 14 and the first point goes to Mr. Eberly. Ah, I knew I went too high. So Joe experienced the Kenny Loggins effect. Yada, yada, yep. yada was mentioned 12 times throughout the wow. show's history. See, mm -hmm. Joe, I think you might have been dead on if you were account counting the yada, yada, and the yeah. yada. Mm -hmm. Because there's tons of that. There's 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 two yadas in other episodes. There's single. I can think of two single yadas that I know. Yeah, she yada yada sex. You know. Yeah, you yada yada, yada, yada sex. But this is this is specifically yada yada yada. yada, yada. yada. Damn, overthought right. it. Okay. All right, this one might be a little bit easier for you guys. We'll see what happens. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Oh God. Okay. Mm. So like that one. Okay. That really, that happens outside of the one episode a lot. Once again, this is matter. this is this is by number of occurrence throughout the show's okay. history. Yep. Uh, I'm just gonna do a quick quick one. Seven. Gosh, thinking seven. That's two. a good name for a kid, Doug. <laughs> 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 All right, Everly's got seven. What about seven. you, Joe? Fuck. You know what? I will go. Because I, I feel like I associate that with one episode. So if it happens outside of that, I can't think of it. But because I can't say seven, and that was my gut instinct, I'm gonna go ten. Go ten. Oh, man, Joe, you you should have trusted the gut. Another point to Mr. Everly. I could have said seven. I thought I had to say something different. Not it's that there's high. anything. <laughs> yep. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It was mentioned five times oh. throughout the history of the show. Damn. Okay. So right right now we've got two points to to zero. Yeah, Mr. that's fair. So Doug is is dominating, but we've got. I'm gonna do two more because these are these are ones that I think are. All right. Uh, are, are a little bit easier to estimate. Yep. And everyone so, knows I'm a second half football team. Let's play. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. So how many times do we think hello Newman was mentioned oh, throughout the God. show's history? That's gotta be a lot. That has you know, maybe this is like engaged with Picard. You know when Jerry's mom out, says it, says that's something else different. Yeah. Oh hello, my god, yeah. Newman. <laughs> Even his family hates Newman. <laughs> uh okay. I will go. This is a lot. Because again, Newman, like you think in a season, because he doesn't say it more than once an episode typically. Or, and even then, like again, I feel like outside of Jerry, like uh, his mom says it and she says it the one time. So this has got to be like once an appearance. Newman isn't in every episode. I'd say he's probably what a good four episodes a season at most. And he starts picking up after season probably four. Because season three, he's probably got the one episode. Um, I'm going to say this one will be deceptively low and I'm going to stick to 11 on this one. And I know that's no, no, wrong, wrong. Not really? 11. Take it back. Take it back. Uh, 21. 
Going back to 21, drinking age. Whoa. Let's do it. Oh, wow. That's 21. That's and that's okay. I'm not changing mine based on what he was saying at all. The entire time I was going with 15. Okay. Here we go. Come on. All right. Hello, Newman was mentioned 18 times Damn. throughout right the show's again. history. Yep. So you guys are 17. Yep. So oh. no, no points will be awarded for that one. It was my so... chance. It was my chance to tie. All right. Wow. Here you go. All right. So this is still a 2 Second 0 game. With glory. Let's do this. Here, here's what we're going to do. This is the last catchphrase, and this will be worth three points. So either Joe's going to pull ahead or Doug will, will be in the rear view. The last, right. the last phrase. All right. Family feud style. Let's do it. Shrink, <laughs> shrinkage. How many times do you think shrinkage was mentioned? That can't be that many. That can't be because look at that episode again. It shrank. Yeah, shrinkage. You think women know about shrinkage? Yeah, but they do talk about it an awful lot. They do. I'm going to take lucky seven this time. I'm taking seven. I don't think it's much higher than that if it is at all. I'm going to do a little bit higher. You can go prices right on me and go eight. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I, One dollar, Bob. I, I feel like it's more than seven. <laughs> Just because they, you know, they repeat things so much. They do. You know, it's like, like shrinkage. Yes, shrinkage. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's everything. Yep. So that, these are interesting to figure out because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if this is such an early season gag. But if I'll it do. comes back, it comes back only like once after that. Like, oh my God, they brought shrinkage up again. I'll be a little less cheap and I will do nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, so it's got to be lower than seven. Three to win. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, shrinkage, which was one of the most quoted uh, just from Seinfeld's history, pop culture within the media, shrinkage was mentioned quite a few times, but on the Fuck. show itself, it was mentioned 26 Are times. Are you fucking kidding me? The one what? time I don't go that high? <laughs> what? Son of a bitch. Shrinkage was mentioned 26 <laughs> times. times. It is it is uh the it is tied for the most mentions on Seinfeld's history next to Festivus. They're both mentioned 26 times across the show's history. No shit. That's crazy. I can't okay. picture that many. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. It's Fuck. like one um mm -hmm. you know back and forth could have seven yeah the way yeah. they talk mm -hmm. you know i feel like when it's first when um when george first tells jerry about it mm -hmm. that they just use the word non-stop yeah. oh yeah oh yeah they do wow yeah fuck yeah because i was in the mindset like when they first use it uh george would be like it shrank and maybe like then jerry's like oh it no shrinks? it shrank <laughs> I will send you guys the info, man, because uh, I was digging into the numbers of the series. And what I thought would be cool to kind of leave this off on, at least for the numbers side. Mm -hmm. uh, so outside of mentions of just words in general, there's another interesting uh, numerical value about the dialogue that each character speaks. So we're talking about the main four characters in the show. Uh, there's research that went into how many words the characters speak and what the median is from that. So the average of the amount of words that they tend to speak when they're sharing dialogue, right? Oh, this is some final jeopardy shit now. Good Lord. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, th this is not uh, something you have to guess. <laughs> That's but, good. Cause I'm, I'm, I don't, I, yeah. I bet all the money. 
I can actually no, I can't even participate because I have zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, I can't Doug, even do final jeopardy. D Doug did absolutely annihilate you five points to zero, but uh... <laughs> can we can we go for more? Can we let Doug Ten run rule me here? Yeah, what we could, how about we do this? This this is actually going to be interesting. Maybe we could do. Um, well, no, this is a little bit harder because these averages do change a little bit. Um, so no, unfortunately, Joe, you can't come back from behind on this one. You're you're <sighs> you're stuck with the donut on that. Um, but the median amount or average amount of words that are spoken were very weird because Seinfeld, specifically Jerry, the the average amount of words that he speaks before someone else interacts with him on the show was exactly eight words every That's... season. Huh. Except for the first season. It was nine during the first season. But after that, every single season, he speaks an average of eight words before someone else interacts with him. Which I'm guessing doesn't count like the opening stand-up scene. That's got to be its own own thing there. Yeah, this is just like the average amount of like character lines uh, across the series, right? The average mm -hmm. amount of words anybody says before somebody else starts speaking to them. Is it eight? Well, looking at uh, uh, Elaine, for example, mm -hmm. Elaine's shifts from anywhere from six to as high as ten. Oh. Now for George, George so speaks. <laughs> yeah, well yeah right well yeah good point well george speaks uh the majority of his seasons it's a 10 word average before someone else interacts with him and kramer uh has anywhere from eight to as high as 11 so he actually has wow. the the That's yeah the high yeah well so when i was looking at this the high water mark for kramer think about how many times kramer tells stories to people that's true about something yeah. that happened to him or you know mm -hmm. explaining something out so to me i thought that was interesting for jerry though because doug you mentioned really early on that these guys are very specific in how they write very specific in how they act and for jerry to oh, be yeah. the same average for eight seasons of the show that's a that's an interesting factoid well um, something um that might equate here is that there's something called that at least i call it is a seinfeld rhythm yeah anybody mm -hmm. right now can take anything they're saying and convert it into seinfeld language and that includes you know amount of words amount of words before taking a breath where you place questions in a sentence when you, to repeat things the speed at which things are repeated all of these things, they go into the rhythm. Um, and even up through Kirby Enthusiasm, a reason I consider it more Seinfeld is because characters will use this type of language. They'll use the Seinfeld rhythm. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like you can take anything and just make it sound like Seinfeld and it works that way. So I don't know, maybe this equates somewhere, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, even looking at that, because one thing we we haven't got brought out brought up yet is like the actual shift that really happens in the show after Larry David is no longer a writer on it, um, which a is lot again, of why you know, he's lost. A lot of it's lost, and which is why it carries over to Curb because he's writing it. It really is lost. Sometimes they're able to capture it. Sometimes it feels like they're trying to do it and they don't know how. But literally, the opening scene of season eight episode one the first one without larry david is the most obviously 
lacking in the rhythm of the show, you know, since even the pilot, I would say, like, even has more rhythm than the first opening scene of episode eight. Now, so since we've mentioned this a couple times, that's where I kind of thought the idea of the writers just trying to put funny things together as opposed to trying to do like a, oh, what am I trying to think of here? Um, like a Guy Ritchie film, you know, how how they have like seven to ten different, you know, parties interacting in, in, within a movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I think um, Seinfeld didn't quite do as well in in the later seasons, but it, it depends on what episode. Um, but they were start like they were just doing this thing where they would write a funny thing and let's just have things happen mm-hmm. throughout each yeah. one. And in, so yeah. In um later episodes, it comes down to um each episode having more of an identity because mm-hmm. of like a situation or a character being introduced. Like you have like Festivus episode, you have um soup nazi episode mm-hmm. there are episodes that just wait soup nazis earlier yeah but i mean like even look at that like i feel like you know they'll Nazi's focus seven. on like they already thing. started along with those types of things mm-hmm. but thinking even like you know like we brought up a couple times the rickshaw episode like that like the focus and the heart of that episode surrounds on like this is like a ridiculous kramer idea that goes out of control which is what the character typically is but this time the episode just focuses on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it kind of is what it is, but it does lead us into where I kind of wanted this conversation to end, which is, do you have recommendations for people? Once again, this is kind of geared towards them who haven't seen the show before and are trying to find you know, their footing with it. Because believe it or not, there are some people who bite the sandwich in the middle, <laughs> right, as opposed to the outsides. I think now, that's what everybody should do. Well, when it comes to Seinfeld, do you think it makes sense to maybe start later and then try earlier seasons? Or, you know, maybe start just from the beginning and slog through some of the things that that we fought through. Okay, so here are your options. Either you just eat the sandwich the way it's meant to, or you can do the PB and J Uncrustable, which is the dog route, where you cut out all the stuff you don't want and you just have the good juicy middle stuff, or you do that weird thing in the the nineties where pizza hut advertised the stuffed crust pizza, where you should start with the back of the pizza. <laughs> Those are your options. You go to the stuffed crust, the PBJ crustable, or you eat your damn sandwich because that's how mom made it for you. And she's, she's had enough. I would say the worst thing to do would be to go on to Netflix and just start the show. It's the worst possible thing anybody could do. I have, um, like that's what you do after you're you've been watching it for a while. You say, "Let me mm-hmm. watch all this in order," because I know a lot of people who just started watching it because it, you know, mm-hmm. was on Hulu, it was on Netflix, and mm-hmm. you know they weren't around it their whole lives. They may be younger or whatever, and they're gonna start watching it. And then they'll message me, you know, halfway through the third, third season and say, "When does this get funny?" <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> yep. I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think all of those are hilarious, but I kind of get where you're coming from. Um, because they're just way more dry. And if you're expecting a lot of the out front comedy in some of the things that you've absorbed, just, you know, 
as cultural references and other things, you've heard people say, you're going to be looking for those things and they are not there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The best thing to do is to turn on TBS or Comedy Central when it's playing in reruns with commercials. Go, you know, organize your uh, underwear drawer and uh, leave it <laughs> on in the background. Just watch mm -hmm. random random things you know even when seasons have a cohesive story from episode to episode it is very loosely there mm -hmm. it is not where you'll be where you're going to be left trying to figure out what happened three episodes before then they're all one-offs even when they connect together they're all one-offs and you can just start anywhere you can start with a scene you know you can start watching in the middle of an episode after a random commercial break, come to just a scene and that isolated might grab you. Yeah, I, I like that too, because like I was even trying to think of like, you know, where to start with it. And like in the event, like you said, like the show at its heart is basically episodic. You can really pick up anywhere in any season and enjoy what's going on. Totally. Other than other than like there are a few times, like obviously like um uh like Susan dying um obviously if you start at the the start of was that season seven is when you it's it's her, it's her funeral that would be such yeah. a funny first episode yeah um oh i think season eight starts with her funeral oh, okay eight, eight's the funeral start season so, seven ends mm -hmm. where it's like she's dead all right mm -hmm. um spoiler alert <laughs> yep, like, oh <laughs> oh so like like that that would be like an sure? odd place to start so like I don't know, like as far as where to go, I think one of the best ways to do it is odds are like you are probably going to have someone in your life who has watched Seinfeld in its entirety or at least has watched yeah. enough to like they're like I have a favorite episode of that. My advice is talk to somebody who's watched it. Get like three or four episodes that they point out that are really good because you can find those easily, like even if they don't know the season, the episode title, in which case the episode titles are always the something. That's it the something and you can easily google like again soup nazi you google soup nazi you'll fit it'll give you the yeah. season and the episode that we're to start with that so most people suggest starting at the contest mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's one of the most it's it's where they kind of establish what they're doing with the show most people consider yeah. it kind of like a peak at the show mm -hmm. yeah it, um, it's a good way to really see each individual character through that show Ironically, my favorite episode, which is the opera, mm -hmm. <laughs> is probably one of the worst episodes to start with. <laughs> because it does mm -hmm. leave you in the middle of a story that, like, if you hadn't seen previous episodes, you might not really know what's going on with the characters. Mm -hmm. um, it's fairly dark. It doesn't have a distinct ending. Mm -hmm. It's one of the worst to start with. Don't start with the opera. Don't do the opera. But again, like there, you at least like you have the sense of like like that's your favorite episode, but you wouldn't tell someone to start there because it relies on something from a previous episode. But and that's a nice like, like, favorite though, after yeah. trying mm -hmm. to figure out what my favorite episode was for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. realizing, oh mm -hmm. my God, that's my favorite episode. That's the one. And you know? yeah. I for, think that's for the me. Way to do it. For mm -hmm. me, it's got to be the voice. That as far as favorite episodes go, the voice wow. from C season nine, episode two, 
just because of Kramerica Industries coming back. Oh Kramerica God, Industries yes. is um, mentioned early in this in the series. Brett, like, Brett yeah. is an amazing side character. That's his name, right? Uh, Darren. Darren, Darren. The, the intern. Oh yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Darren. Yeah, and, and just yep. just just so how good. just mm-hmm. the ridiculous antics that happen when Kramer has an intern working for him, uh, and we're not even talking about how the episode ends. Like we're just talking about mm-hmm. the 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 core functions of how ridiculous yeah. this is. No, those are all the best parts. Um, when um, Kramer goes to meet with like the organization that put yeah, place the Aaron. Yeah, yeah. You may or may not be a man living in an apartment. A man yeah, no, living in an apartment who may or may not have a chicken. Yeah, and with Darren's help, we'll get that chicken. Chicken, you know, flies open. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll fly, yeah. flies I open. find this capricious oh. and arbitrary. Your flies, flies open. open. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, but and, uh, yeah. here's but, okay. So outside of favorite episodes, oh wait, mm-hmm. Joe, did you want? Did you have a favorite episode you wanted yeah, to share too? Which actually is the one we said you shouldn't start with, and that is the Foundation season eight episode one. Oh, because um, oh, you've really? got yeah, you've got oh, um, it's so good. It's so it's good. Really, it's Peter really good. takes off. Elaine's got to take over the company. She has no idea how to do it. Kramer's is taking it the one with the tape children. recorder. Yeah, it's the. I think it's one with the tape recorder. Okay. Um, the whole, the whole part with the tape recorder, is some of the best stuff ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, it it plays really well into like peak George mm-hmm. neuroticism, and then, oh, yeah. and but then it also. Uh, Oh, actually wait, valid- no. you, you validate that's not the same episode. You validate that though. Because this episode is where um this is where like Jerry pulls like pulls like women to see whose like breakup episode is more like attractive. Like like is it more attractive that you've lost your wife and you're trying to like move on versus something else? And he's pulling women. Meanwhile, George like is just stuck them. in yeah. And George is stuck in foundation meeting after foundation meeting, uh, which turns out is Susan's parents' way of getting back at George for everything that he's done. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the one that, that Doug, you're is thinking this, of. Is this the drive to the Hamptons? No, but the, the drive for the Hamptons is after this. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because the yep. foundation, um, you know, I always forget that that's more than one episode. He keeps going mm-hmm. to have to meet with the foundation people, et cetera. Yep. Yeah, it, so, it, it carries through like the first yeah. like four episodes of that season. It kind of just yeah. fizzles out at some point. It though. does. Yeah, like, it, it does. I think it's. I'm trying to figure out where the fizzle out point is because I feel like the tape recorder episode is like the height of the foundation stuff. Wait, no, no, no. Yeah. Doesn't it happen after his um, uh, what am I thinking? Scholarship candidate. No, Isn't that when the foundation after, fizzles after out? The Van, after the Van Buren boys. Yeah, yeah the Van Buren I think boys. You're right. So, but yeah, no, that episode of the, like again, the Jerry George part is there, but the Elaine Kramer story is the strong point of that one for me, where Elaine again gets completely, um, completely like just unfounded advice from Kramer, who's beating up children in his karate class, and then the, the, the cutscene of Kramer fighting the children, hilarious, yeah. and oh, the yeah. fact that again, like. Uh, Mark and I have definitely mentioned how like this this show has molded our lives to the point where I am terrible with breaking up with women and will break up over the dumbest thing and how at one point in my life I got stuck reading at a funeral for a man I've never met had no idea who he was my wow. mom stuck me in the funeral because and I quote 
you are a teacher and we felt it just was right. Like <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. And I get to the point where I'm thinking it's a Catholic funeral. All I have to do is read a verse and I'm fucking done. And then after it says, say something about the deceased, I'm like, I've never fucking met this man. So I pulled from that episode of Seinfeld and quoted Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Holy and shit. That, that, and that, 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 that's what I did in the moment. Like, this is all I've got. All I've got <laughs> is that he's never truly gone so long as we can find a way to remember him and that death is always in the shadow of new life. And, and it was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, at, the, at the end of all things here, you know, talking about when to start Seinfeld, um, I, I personally thought that while well, my some of my favorite episodes were later because those are the ones that I actually watched brand new and everything. Um, I, I think overall the ratings began to pick up at season five. Like that's when that's when they had a hit on their hands, right? Yeah. And when I went back to watch it again, um, I I just started from the beginning because I I went through and watched it from start to finish. And I kind of found myself thinking the same thing. Like seasons four and five are when I actually I started to enjoy it more. <laughs> it's where it starts to make you care about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's there starts to be um more follow-up from episode to episode. Mm -hmm. Whereas like they'll mention something that happened before and people are dating the same people over and over again. And something that happened in one episode will have you know a conclusion in another episode that's where yeah. that starts happening and i just feel mm -hmm. like it makes you just care about what happens oh, more rather than being like all right everybody mm -hmm. went home you know let's reset yep yeah. and and looking at this like the episodes in here that are just iconic you've got the mango yes where kramer loses his taste you've got the puffy <laughs> shirt is in this is in the season uh the sniffing accountant where yes, here's to feeling good all the time. I always remember that one as earlier. Yeah. One. Yep. The non-fat yogurt, which that's the one where isn't that where like it turns out that's how they get Rudy Giuliani like elected, like it's their yeah. fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's um, really good. And one of the best ones because this is where again like I brought Jason Alexander up a few times with things and what led to the basically ending scene of the episode was ad-libbed and that was the marine biologist yes wow. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah what a season what a fucking you have again a three-part episode here with the raincoats yeah um, this is where the belly laughs yeah. began seriously mm -hmm. this this is where they where they where they happen so what we really hope though in, in doing this was to once again kind of do what we did with ghostbusters 101 give people a foundation to kind of start with because we didn't want to do everything from a spoiler standpoint with the series but based off of what we shared today the whole point was to just give somebody you know here's a good bulk of what you're going to see and you can decide how you want to approach the series if it's something you want to get into so i think we've achieved that gentlemen i i really I appreciate so. uh mm -hmm. <laughs> appreciate your insight and since sometimes joe our tagline ends up feeling uh kind of self-serving at the end but do we want to we want to leave the tagline for Doug to take us out to the end of the day. 
I have no idea what it is. That's okay, Doug. Well, I mean, this season we kind of think you had a tagline. We forget to do it a lot this season. We do. We do have a tagline to end shows. And uh, and we say, until next time, keep on dissecting. So kind of like on radio shows when people do that. And they they awkwardly do that at the end. If you want to do it, Doug, I mean, we'd let you do it. In Doug's defense, season one, when we did that, we always did an outro and post. So Until we would time, finish the dissecting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when you're dissecting, <laughs> do everyone a favor and put the junior mints away. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, Doug, if you if you want to take us out, feel free. Because uh now is a good time to do it. I already did it. Oh Dude, shit. <laughs> that's the episode. It's done. Yeah, that's it's it. over. That's, that's, that's the, the episode. episode. Mm-hmm.